So, we have begun a new series on both Tuesday night and Sunday morning. Anybody remember? Um, There's a clue. Daniel. That was the clue. See? That's part of the D. Oh. Did you see how that worked? And then the other one is John. And we're doing John on Tuesday night, yes. So, the book of Daniel, remember how Daniel is taken by force, right? He's roughly somewhere in your age. We don't really know exactly how old. Um, but somewhere in mid-teens, young teens, um, probably not 20, okay? And he is taken from his home, from his parents, from his family, and everything by King Nebuchadnezzar. I heard him mentioned, right? And Nebuchadnezzar brings them all in as slaves, but he's a special breed of slave, right? Why is he chosen? He's smart. He's smart. And he's not ugly. At least that's what we think, right? Because they're trying to pick ones that are good-looking, smart people. Okay? So, cream of the crop type people. And then what is Nebuchadnezzar trying to do with them? Somebody. Make them fighters. Make them for, what? Make them fighters for a competition? Uh, no, not fighters. Something. Change their name. She's changing their names and things. Forget about that. He's gonna show them up. Well, how? What's he? What's he want them to do? Remember they? Remember they're gonna grow. They're going to jo join a group of people called the Chaldeans. Remember what the Chaldeans were? They were the wise men. The wise men. And so they are the educated people. And think about it at this time. Who has books? Go. Who has books at this point? You have books, but I'm, at that point, who has any books? Smart people. Maybe smart, but you can be smart and poor, and you can't afford a book. There, there really aren't even books existing. The people in power. People in power have scrolls, and the people who are very wealthy and have powerful things where they've taken them from other places will collect some of those things, um, but not very many people in the world. Let's say less than 1% of the world has availability for books. 99% of people don't have them. Okay? Which means most people don't even read. Well, that's the same amount of people who don't read nowadays. 99%? <laughs> I don't think that's quite true. Okay? But the world is like that, and the knowledge is kept in a very small group of people. This is who Nebuchadnezzar is looking to build. All the smartest people. Because if you get all the smartest people in your, on your team, you win. Right? Because if they can tell you what to do next and what other countries are like and what they're, then you get to win. Alright? So, this is what's happening as he's trying to build these wise men. And then, you remember he's got three friends? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay? And then Daniel, okay? 
So I will write down SMA. There you go, because it's a lot to write, all right? So for today, I want to start out with a little story here. There have been a few instances in my life where I have strongly considered or been close to or been thinking about, ooh, that could be near the end of my life, okay? It could be. And I've had one point, one time, and I've told this story lots of times over the years, where I nearly drowned in Montana, okay? Very, very close. Um, a, a raging river that I was in, and we had been paddling on for a long time, and I got pulled off into an eddy, long story short, got pulled under the water, um, had no power against the river. I could swim, and I'm a good swimmer. I could swim as hard as I wanted. I couldn't even slow myself down as I got caught in the current by putting my feet at an angle. I just kept getting slammed against rock after rock after rock. I mean, it was that powerful. The water was as high as it had been in 100 years, okay? And because they had more rain that year than they'd had in 100 years. It was very close. And I remember those moments of looking up down under the water and thinking I have no power to, to swim to the top. The current's taking me where I want it to go. All right. I've had other things where I've been in an accident, a car accident. I was in a car accident right out here. Um, I came up over the hill and was ready to turn across the road. Didn't see a guy coming up. He came up over fast and I was halfway in and he whacked the front of me and I spun around. Um, that was a very, very hard hit. For those moments, if you've ever been in an accident or you've ever been in one of those things, um, those moments, they make you think, hmm, maybe this is the end, okay? Maybe this isn't, maybe I'm not gonna survive this. Back a few years ago, I was in a tree, had climbed a tree, put up a brand new deer hunting stand, and I had sat in it for a little bit. And I went down to crawl around the tree. I'd put some steps up the tree, um, just little screw-in steps up the tree, and climbed down the tree, and I grabbed onto a branch, and I was probably eight or 10 feet in the air, and the branch broke off. And down I went, landed on my shoulder and chest, um, in the only spot that didn't have all kinds of brush sticking up, which is amazing. Um, but when I hit the ground and really came to realize what happened, I couldn't breathe. And it was an instant, and I hit so hard that I thought that I had either broken ribs or done something major, and I thought maybe I did internal damage because I'd hit so hard. And when I realized I couldn't breathe, I started trying to take a breath and it wouldn't come. It just wouldn't come, wouldn't come, wouldn't come. And I'm thinking to myself, maybe this is it. And I thought of my kids and wife, and that's about the end. I thought, if I don't breathe in the next uh, minute, <laughs> I need some air, <laughs> then I might not survive. You really need oxygen. And when you can't get it, you realize this might be the end, all right? Sometimes, when you have that moment when you think, this could be it, 
It makes you think, I've got to do something about this if I at all can. All right? Daniel has one of those realizations today. He has a realization because people are after him. He's a young man, comes from a different country. Yes, he is a slave. Yes, he is a part of this unique group, okay? But none by his choice. And the captain of the guard from Nebuchadnezzar shows up at his door looking for him. Daniel, you and your friends, come out. And so he comes out. We have been ordered to execute you. For what? <laughs> what, what, what did I do? And at that moment, you realize this might be it. Now, the people of Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonians is their name, they were not known for being nice. They killed people when they felt like it. The king could do it with no trial and on a whim. You're gone. Take your head off. All right? So he sent his captain of the guard and part of his army around and said, I want you to find all of these Chaldeans. Kill them all. So why does he do this? All right? Let's go to Daniel chapter number 2 and see the situation that he is in. Verse number 1, um, and start reading till I tell you to stop, please. And in the second year of reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams where with his spirit was troubled, and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call the magicians and... Astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans. Chaldeans for to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said unto them, I have dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. Then spake the Chaldeans to the king of Syria, O king, live forever. The kings answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me, if you will not make known to me unto me the dream, with the interpretation thereof. You shall be cut in pieces, and your houses shall be made around you. Alright. So, here's the thing. Come in and I had this dream. So he brings in the Chaldeans, which are probably the normal group of people that he works with. Now, these, there probably are dozens and dozens of them, especially if he's pulling them from these other countries. But he brings in his top guys, the top guys from this group of the Chaldeans, these wise men. And I use that word uh, very carefully because these wise men, it is believed that these very same wise men, years later, are the ascent, descended from that group where um, Daniel is. These wise men are the ones that go and seek for Jesus. Okay? They are magi, they're called. Okay? But that's kind of a, a different thing we'll, we'll probably touch on a little bit later as well. Here he is. <clears throat> I've, I've had this dream. 
and you need to tell me what the dream was and then tell me what the interpretation was. And they're like, whoa, wait a minute. You can't do that. Nobody can do that. No, no, you need to do it. You tell me what it is. You're the wisest people around. You're supposed to know what these things are. You're telling me that you can interpret dreams. Well, if you really know about that, then you should be able to tell me what the dream was. I don't remember. And if you can't do that, I will have you chopped into little pieces. Literally. That's what he said. I will chop you into little pieces. I will take my army around and cut you up into little pieces. He's a nice guy. You know, <laughs> patient, patient guy, right? But, and he says, I will turn your house into a dung hill. Well, that's great. It's all like a garbage heap for human waste, okay? That's great. That's a good thing. So you will have nothing if you don't do this. You'll have nothing. Uh, but then he says, verse 6, If you show the dream and the interpretation thereof, you shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor, and there you shall show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. All right? So, if you can do it, oh, I'm going to, you'll be the greatest guy. Everybody will love you. I'm going to give you gifts and all sorts of things. You'll be, the, you'll be the, the top guy around here. All right? But if you don't, I'll kill you. All right? And so, what they say is, King, nobody asks for this. Nobody can do this. No human can do this. And he says, do it or die. That's it. I have no patience for you people. You have lied to me before, and I'm tired of it. So if you're real and true, if you really have this mystical knowledge that you can really tell these things, go ahead and do it. And they have no way to do it. They're like, only people that are connected to the gods can do this. No human can do this. Only the gods have this. We can't do this. He said, Fine. And he tells his top army guy, take every one of these Chaldeans and, and chop them up into pieces. I'm done with them. I guess he gave him a chance, sort of. All right? Not really, right? So this guy, Nebuchadnezzar, did awesome things. He built an amazing kingdom, and we'll get into that in a minute. But he had zero patience. Or people. Alright? And he really hated when they lied to him. So these people had obviously tried to pull the wool over on his eyes before, and with that, he just, just wiped them all out. So he sent the captain of the guard, and here comes the captain of the guard, and knocks on Daniel's door, and says, come out. Ready? You, you've been ordered to be executed. We're going to take you back, and we're going to execute you. And he said, whoa, wait a minute. I never even heard of this. What did I do? Well, there was interpretation of a dream. King Nebuchadnezzar said, if you can't tell me what the dream is and interpret it, then it's done. And he said, just please let me talk to the king. So Daniel goes and talks to the king. They allow him in. And I think this is the case that God allowed Daniel to have kind of a good relationship. We saw that last week with 
the guy he was in, that was in charge of, of raising these young kids, okay, and feeding them and all that, he found special favor with people. And I think the captain of the guard was no different. Daniel was, was a nice young man, a kind young man, and always accommodating, always doing things, and not giving anybody any trouble. And he was really smart. And so the guy comes in, the captain of the guard, and I'm sure he did not want to do his job that day. So he was much more willing to say, okay, Daniel, I'm going to try to get you in to see the king. I don't know what you could do about this, but we might as well have a chance. All right? The king is adamant about it. So Daniel comes in and he says, king, I need, I need time. Now think about this. If you were given this challenge to say, I had a dream. You have to tell me what the dream is so that I can remember that that's what the dream is. And then tell me what it means. What it means you could probably make up. What it was, you cannot make that up because they'll know. Nope, that wasn't the dream and you're done. So Daniel is depending on God and he says the interpretation belongs to God. Dreams belong to God. God is the God of secret things, okay? God is the one. He is the God of secret things. And in those secret things, He reveals, He reveals things if He chooses to. So Daniel's sticking his neck out. Not that it matters anyways, I guess, at this point, because either he's going to die or God's going to do something. He's trusting that God will do something. So he goes to the king and asks essentially for a day. He goes home to his friends and says, get down on your knees and pray that God will have mercy and tell us what this is. And then he goes to sleep. Hoping that God will do something. Well, there's faith, I guess. You don't stay up and worry. You just go to sleep. And when he goes to sleep... I think we'll be around verse 12 and 13. Uh, nope, that's we're skipping along here. I'm sorry. Uh, verse number 19, please. Wherever we left off. Then was the secret revealed unto Daniel in the night vision when Daniel blessed the God. And in the night, that night, God showed him the dream. And God showed him what it meant. And when he got up, he was never so happy to have seen that. All right? But he had to have enough faith to go and talk to the king to say, God's going to do this. You give it time and God will reveal these secret things. He got up, praised God, and then he went to the king. And this is what he told the king. All right? Verse number 26 is uh, where we'll pick up. And the king answered and said unto Daniel, whose, whose name was Belteshazzar, Are thou able to make, un, make known unto me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers show unto the king. But 
There is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known unto the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And Daniel begins to tell the story. So here is the story. This is an important dream that God gives to Nebuchadnezzar. This is perfect and to scale, no doubt. Exactly. All right. This guy's got arms, man. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here he is. I could have used your cat, but I need toes on your cat. <laughs> Isn't that nice? There it is. Perfect and to scale. There he is. Here's the dream. It's a person. And then there's this. It's a rock. Okay. <laughs> no, it's a rock. Okay. There's a person, and then there's a rock. <laughs> Let's start with the person. I'll tell you about the, the, the boulder in a minute. The person has a head made out of gold. Mm -hmm. And from his neck down to his waist, he is made out of silver. All right. From his waist to his legs, lower legs here, he is made out of bronze. Do you know the bottom? No. Iron. He's made out of iron and clay. By the time he gets down to his feet, it's clay mixed with iron. All right. So gold, very precious metal, right? Silver. More precious than bronze, okay, but bronze is worth something. Iron, it's useful. <laughs> Being a blacksmith, yeah, it's very useful, right? You mix clay with iron, eh, what are you going to do with it? Got to get the clay out or the iron out, right? To do anything with it. So here is the statue and the other still stone, okay? And Nebuchadnezzar says, yes, that's what it was. I remember it now. A golden head, silver arms, a bronze midsection, and his legs are made out of iron, and they're clay. How do you know that? So what does it mean? Well, Daniel says to the king, you and your kingdom represent the golden head. Babylon. This is a picture of God looking across humanity and telling the future along with a little bit of God's opinion of what's happening. So this is actually one of the visions, okay, and Daniel had it, but the dream, the dream really originally came from Nebuchadnezzar, all right? It's the interpretation comes about, and this is... God's vision of the future. Here you are, you're the golden head, King Nebuchadnezzar. In God's estimation, you are 
in, in mankind's terms, the best kingdom that ever existed and ever will exist in mankind. Alright? You are the golden head. Big shining things. Now, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Babylon was probably the most amazing, and in God's estimation, yes, although God's not impressed with humans, and we'll get to that point uh, in the end. But Babylon was a multiple-leveled city. And Nebuchadnezzar, yes, he was an impatient man, but he built the entire city with bricks essentially of gold or gold color, some of them, and they're all stamped with his name on it. He had a little issue, wanted to be known, I guess, forever. All right? So hold the whole city built of bricks, and from those bricks there were cantilevered, they don't even know exactly what it was, but there's some description, there were cantilevered connections between all the buildings, and you are in a place, okay, down on the bottom side of the Fertile Crescent at this point, you're in a place where you need to capture water, because you're in the Middle East, and you need to use it carefully. Well, somehow, in the third and fourth stories of these buildings, he was able to capture water and bring them up to the third and fourth stories of these buildings, and he created an entire paradise of gardens over the roofs, and part of the roofs. So he was way before any architect said, we should do a green roof, because it leaks, right? The planting stuff, he made the hanging gardens of Babylon. Everything was hung off of buildings, all right? Incredible feats of architecture and engineering, things he did. He took over the known world. That's how Daniel's there. Notice what he said in the very first, read right over it. How long was, was he king after he had this dream? It says it in the very first verse we read. Two years. King Nebuchadnezzar was two years, and he took over the world. That's pretty good. Right? <laughs> That's pretty good. He took everybody. It wasn't a lifetime of conquests to do it. He was brilliant. And God knew that about him and said, you're the golden head. Along will come, though, your end. And the silver chest and arms will come, and they are two separate, right? One, two, separate, and come together as one. This is the silver one. This is the Medes and the Persians. The Medes and the Persians. We will see the takeover of the Medes and the Persians in the book of Daniel. Alright? It is incredible what they do. But Babylon gets thinking a little too much of themselves because they have had wild success. Incredible success. Done great things. But the Medes and the Persians, uh, which you probably haven't heard much about the Medes, but the Persian Empire was a huge, huge empire. Okay? Again, world power at the time. Took over all the known world and took over Babylon. But in God's estimation, not quite as impressive as Babylon. 
Then along will come a third great kingdom. Does anybody have any idea? Thinking of these great kingdoms that took over the world, there's only a few. Not yet. Not yet. Not Rome. Nope. <laughs> That's way later. I think it's Greece, okay? You remember Greece. Who's the famous one? Alexander the Great, right? When he was 26, it is said that he went and cried. Now, whether this is true or not, he cried because there was no more world to take over. Now I'm bored, right? The Greeks spread languages, okay, and learning much more than the others. The others came in and, and did several different things, but the Greeks were really spreading language. And what, what language did they have? Greek. Greek. <laughs> That's good. That's really good. And what was the New Testament written in? Greek. Yeah. Maybe that was Chinese. a player somewhere from way above. Huh? Okay. And then along comes the last one, which you said already? Rome. Rome. Okay. Rome was a powerhouse and very famous in men's eyes, not as much impressive in God's eyes because there was very little righteousness at all in the kingdom of Rome. They were powerful. They were split. Okay. The kingdom of Rome did split again and again and again, and ultimately, the clay and the toes is a future thing. Now, you remember, excuse me, essentially, the, the kingdom of Rome came, then the Holy Roman Empire, there was a whole bunch of remakes of Rome to try to get the power of the original Rome, which fell in 476, but Rome never really totally died. Not totally. At least it was held together. And we have had one of those kingdoms sort of put back together, sort of, today, uh, in Europe, right? Because that was the Roman Empire, was Europe. And now what's it called? Not really a, a kingdom, but it is kind of loosely put back together. What is it? The European Union. <laughs> European Union, okay? You could use a euro as their money. A euro is their money because they've all agreed, well, we're going to be together and it's going to work better for our economies and everything. It's very loose, though. And that's why clay and iron, okay? There's some power in there, not really much, kind of falls apart, not really great. It will be a part, and you will see some of the things that will happen. So it starts from ancient times and comes all the way up to present and even future. Okay, we haven't seen exactly this happen yet. Okay, but you will, you will see some of these ideas that come out in some of Daniel's visions as we look at them. The idea is this. Here's mankind's best shot. Impressive gold, silver, wow, it's amazing. All right, <clears throat> and then this rock comes along that's been hanging here in midair, right? <laughs> there it is. It hits the foot. Ow! Ouch! And the whole statue goes. Because as much as 
mankind has put into their efforts and built amazing things and done all of that. In God's estimation, mankind's greatest power is worth what you could fit between my fingers, which is really nothing. Okay? Maybe a couple of molecules or something are in there, I'm sure, but not much. He's not impressed. So what's the rock? Well, the rock is the greatest kingdom ever made, ever founded, with the greatest king on the throne, all right, who is Jesus, all right? So Jesus is the greatest king ever, the truest king, and how does he operate his kingdom? He operates his kingdom off of righteousness and love and justice. Nebuchadnezzar says one day, you can't find this dream, just cut these people to pieces. Okay? In his impatience. Christ is never impatient. And so in all of the best, best, best that mankind ever had, even in leadership, which were impressive individuals, they weren't much compared to Christ as he comes. And when Christ comes at the end, all of what mankind has built, that rock ends up on the toe, and all of mankind's just just goes, and it's gone. Blown away like dust. Here's what to know. After he interprets this, the king says, Wow, that was what I dreamed. How did you know that? He gives the credit to God. And Nebuchadnezzar makes Daniel, under him, number one in the kingdom. You are head of over all these Chaldeans. Okay? You have been put in charge of everybody. You're way smarter than everybody else. And he says, this is God's secret, not mine. But I'm putting you in charge. And then he gave him gifts and he gave him special, anything he wanted. All right. What did Daniel say? Bring my friends. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Bring them up here. Let them come and help. Be leaders. Okay? And so he does that. Here's what you know. Daniel had to trust God. In all of these circumstances, when the soldiers come and knock at his door and say... We're here to take your life. The king is had it with you guys. He's done. Daniel had to trust God that there was a way out. That God had provided a way of escape. And he did. But it wasn't right immediately. He had to go back and he had to pray about it. And he had to give some time. And he had to go in front of the king who was insane enough to say, Chop him to pieces. I'm tired of these people. All right? And he had to go and ask for a little time. He could have been chopped into pieces that moment, but he had to go and ask. And he did. And he was given that time, and God blessed it and, and used it for a way to 
show Nebuchadnezzar who's really in charge. All right? That's what to know is that even when it seems like the world is falling apart and those Nebuchadnezzars are out there saying, chop them into pieces, God's still in control. God knows where you are in your life. God knows where Daniel was. God knows where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. They might have been afraid. Okay? But he is in charge and he has a plan. And that is what to know from Daniel from this chapter. We will see, as time goes on, we will see more of what Daniel shows about the future. Some crazy wild things. Uh, But the story will continue next week. Thank you. Have a good day.